3: to uh, jay cost of the weekly standard about you know what's going on in the world politically and that sort of stuff and so joe said during the uh commercials there what do you think we ought to ask him and i just it made me hang my head i went like, where do you want to go
0: first i says i I says to him right like this with my head i just thought
3: you know the stories that are big i just i don't want to talk about the philadelphia eagles (laughs) i don't want to talk about the russia investigation sure as hell don't want to talk about paul manafort
0: Jay Cost is a historian, journalist, analyst writes for the Weekly Standard National Review. He has written a number of terrific books and has uh, a, a brand new one out yesterday, as I understand it, The Price of Greatness, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison and the Creation of American Oligarchy, which is a super interesting uh, sounding tome about the relationship between government and business from the beginning. Jay Cost joins us. Hello Jay, how are you?
4: I'm great. How are you guys doing?
0: We're exhausted and beleaguered. Thanks for asking. So yeah. is, is there anything in the headline that doesn't make your knee tired when you think about it that you'd like well, to talk about? Well,
4: you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a strange and stupid time to be alive.
3: <laughs> a strange and that should be the title of a new book. Well, that's your next it's book. It's a
0: strange and stupid time to be alive. These were the strangest <laughs> of times. These were the stupidest <laughs> of times. Anyway, what do you mean?
4: Well, you know, I, it's just, uh, you know, we're just caught in the whirlwind of, of Donald Trump all the time, and I, I, I think he's, uh, you know, kind of making everybody crazy, uh, I, and I just, it, it's just the strangest thing to see, um, you know, Democrats going full impeachment, or at least the rank and file and the leadership trying desperately to hold them back off of this, and... It's like, impeach him for what? You, you know, you can't impeach somebody just for being a jerk. I'm sorry, you can't. Um, well, you and, can, and it, but it won't go well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and then the uh, Trump's backers who, uh, the, who's, you know, the the hardcore Trump backers who are, um, you know, want to say, well, you know, he might be a jerk, but it was, this is war with the left and we have to, we need a jerk, <laughs> That's exhausting. And then the, the the never Trumpers, um, who, you know, during the campaign I, I was a never Trumper, but I, I you know, I was a never Trumper in the campaign. I thought for sure the guy was gonna lose <laughs> until like the last day when Hillary's in Philadelphia and Michigan and it's like, Oh, that's she should not be in Michigan. Um But you know, Trump has done a lot of conservative stuff, and to watch a lot of my former Never Trump allies just poo poo all that stuff, uh, you know, it's just I think he's driving everybody crazy.
0: That's a very balanced assessment of the whole thing. There, I would say. Well, he is driving everyone crazy, and let's face it, the eyes and ears of the American people are to a large extent the American media, and the American media is more than complicit. They're enthusiastic about whipping everything up to the highest level of pitch they can to get eyes and ears so you have a guy who is you know frankly a genius at whipping up coverage and and allies in the media who are more than happy to help him and, and you get this uh, you know hair on fire uh, environment we're living in but
4: yeah i think it's important to remember with trump that he appreciates the value of playing the black hat right that it, he he understands that PR is PR, and that oftentimes it pays to be seen as the bad guy. And when you think of him knowingly, sort of like being the black hat character in the in the political drama, then his relationship with the media begins to make a lot more sense. And what the media wants to be is like, you know, the white hat character, the good the good guy.
0: Yeah, nobody's uh, like buying that. Re-
4: it's re- but it's really more symbiosis between the two of them they're they're actually working together in a way that i don't think i'm not sure the media recognizes it but like they play up every like in this this Philadelphia Eagles thing where he he disinvited the Eagles is classic trump uh black hat kind of pr stunt where it seems like he's the bad guy except that uh, he's been doing this for you know literally like four decades now, and it got him the presidency of the United States, so maybe he kind of knows what he's doing
3: we're talking with Jay Kost, who is a contributing editor at The Weekly Standard. yeah, your stuff about how he's driving everybody crazy um uh one way or the other. Uh, last time I was watching Fox and Britt Hume was on there he's one of their uh, analysts and uh and he said he put out a tweet about that fashion designer who killed herself yesterday that i'd never heard of but anyway i guess it's a big deal to some people you
0: never have heard of kate spade
3: seriously anyway god do you live on mars so brett hume said he put out a tweet about kate spade killing herself and he said somehow it turned into a trump thing in his twitter feed People angry about Trump somehow, over and he said people are crazed (laughs) about Trump at a level he's just never seen before. I I don't know. Will we go back to normal when Trump's gone, either in a couple of years or six years?
4: I don't know. You know, I will say the president has really too much power to set the tone of the national conversation. Well, I Amen. forgot to say
3: my my point. My point of the, all that was, it's on both sides. Trump does things that make people crazy, but you don't have to buy into it. Responding to a tweet about a fashion designer's suicide with something Trump related makes you crazy.
4: Yeah. No matter what yeah. Trump is doing. I I agree. And like I said, I think that big, you know, people are getting a weird kind of High off of having him as either the hero or the villain. Like I think that this is all a lot of you know. Not it's not just symbiosis between the media and the and 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 the president. I think that there's the people enjoy the drama, like the oh, the republic is in danger. You know, because it's easy so it's easy to understand corruption or whatever or like threats to the republic from like one bad guy right as opposed to like oh, how about an unresponsive bureaucracy that just does whatever it wants to do and of av- elections that don't seem to make any difference in changing public policy that's how the republic is under threat right yeah. trying to
3: figure out social of, security is a lot harder than just making yeah, trump exactly. the bad exactly
4: like oh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna drown being dragged underwater by the weight of all these promises we made in the 1960s when these people were like infants that's that's depressing and not in in like that but trump is enraging and rage it can be empowering so let's just scream at the president
0: well let me psychoanalyze the american people i think there are two things going on that you kind of touched on number one there's a reason every era has their apocalyptic cults their end of times people because that makes you feel important You are the brave warrior at the end of times, not just another blip in history that'll soon be forgotten. Then you combine that with uh, Sebastian Younger's fabulous book, Tribe, in which he talks about during times of trouble and fear and the rest of it, people band together and they help each other. And it feels great, especially in this divided world we live in. People crave that feeling of community. So you got those two things combined and people are super enthusiastic about feeling threatened and angry. And so I think we have a national psychosis going on. We need, just need to hand out a little Xanax on every street corner <laughs> until everybody calms the hell down. Jay yeah, Costas Everybody is with needs us.
4: to take a nap.
0: Yeah, maybe that, or you know, a shot of whiskey, or just a, a meditate, a little yoga. I'm not advocating drug use on any level. So, uh, listen, Jack mentioned the Social Security thing, um, and, you know, if people were going to be worried about something, it would be that the gigantic... Social Security and Medicare programs are uh, are both heading for bankruptcy in a big freaking hurry. Now, my question to you is this. Trump on the campaign trail more or less poo-pooed the notion of reforming Social Security. Was that because he's a dimwit who doesn't understand how serious the situation was? Or was that a stroke of genius because the only way you can get elected is to lie to the American people and tell them, I won't touch your benefits, nothing's wrong?
3: Possibly with a touch of, I couldn't do anything about it even if I wanted to because of the way the politic is and the way Congress is, so I might as well.
0: Yeah, I wonder. What do you think, Jay?
4: I think it's probably, a. I pick a little from column A, a little from column B. Like I think Trump appreciated the public relations problem of Social Security and Medicare. Look, one of the biggest problems with these programs is that the beneficiaries it's are convinced. Math.
3: math is the biggest problem.
4: Well, they they're convinced that they're, it's not a form of social welfare. I paid into this, they say. You know, Medicare is the biggest bigger problem. Uh, than Social Security. Social Security remains a problem, but Medi- Medicare remains the biggest problem. And people are convinced that, they, that they're that they just getting back what they paid in. It's nonsense. They only pay in a fraction of the benefits that they receive from it. And that is really the enormous uh, difficulty, is that it's a public relations problem at the end of the day, where people are like, "No, no, I am entitled to this." There's a, that's why we call them entitlements, right? Is that people have this sense that they own the money and the benefits that they're getting back, but in fact, even Medicare's trust fund is just for Part A. Part B, which is bigger, it's the doctors and it's the doctors your Medicare doctor's bill is just paid out of general revenue so that's just straight up you know uh social welfare you're well, never
3: going to get elected talking about that though
4: but then yeah. you
0: add the the incredibly quickly changing ratio of retirees to active workers and and the math just crashes down but people would rather yell about the eagles i guess so i don't I, so we're probably yeah. ruining and our career. Cakes! and get that's right geeks. Uh, so we're probably just driving our audience away by even considering this stuff. So we'll stop. Uh, Jay Cost is with us. Um, some of the great stuff you've written in the past, which you've really enjoyed, has to do with the unholy coming together of money and government and crony capitalism and the rest of it. Um, and it's your your new book goes back to the beginning of that uneasy balance with uh, Hamilton and Madison. Give us a give us a moment or two on that, would you?
4: Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, the book is a—it's it, it, based on my dissertation, don't let that dissuade you. I really made a point to polish it up and make it make it good for, for people to read. Um, it's a really interesting story because Madison and Hamilton were friends and allies in the 1780s.
3: Can you put this to music to... somehow? If you could put this to music, <laughs> it would be a bigger thing.
4: Exactly. Uh, trying to create the Constitution, and then in the 1790s, when the government got started, they turned on each other and became big-time political opponents and just came to hate each other. And the argument in my book is that one of the problems with the two of them was that Hamilton's economic policies ended up favoring the wealthy. And Hamilton had good reasons to do that. He thought it was necessary to sort of create a stronger American uh, financial marketplace, really. Um, Because, you know, economically, the United States was a backwater at this point. Hamilton had an ingenious plan for fixing it, but it really meant windfall profits. For the wealthy, and Madison just couldn't abide that. He thought it was unfair. He thought it lent itself to corruption, and he thought it was against the principles of, you know, Republican self-government. And and that is a story. And the one of the reasons I wanted to write this book was because it just seemed to me like this is a story that just happens again and again and again through our history where it's sort of like, well, we want to do this great big thing and we need these rich people to help us do it. Uh, So the government's going to give them benefits to make them, give them an incentive to do it. And it just creates the kind of like, like you said, this kind of entanglement between government and business that just undermines the sense of public popular sovereignty. Like, who's actually in charge of our government? Is it the interest groups or is it the people? And this was the, actually the very question that James Madison was confronting in the 1790s.
0: Well, and I know that the part of the thesis of your book is that they're both right. And that yes, they, the, yes. the, the push and pull of those two forces is how we ended up having an incredible success on both levels.
4: Yeah, and Madison thought that he didn't need to do stuff like that when he became president, so he got rid of Hamilton's financial system. And then the War of 1812 happened, and the United States couldn't borrow money. I mean, that war was a disaster. It almost ended in a complete disaster. If it wasn't for a handful of victories here and there, the United States, you know, Vermont could be part of uh, Canada at this point. Um, And Louisiana could be part of uh, Great Britain even still. And so after the war, Madison realized, ooh, you know, I actually do kind of need Hamilton's ideas on finance. Uh, and that's the sort of what, why the book is called The Price of Greatness. The price of national greatness is we have to give up our Republican principles and embrace a little bit of oligarchy.
0: Well, listen, uh, God bless you for uh, making it 256 pages and not 1,400 in some effort to show off to academics. Uh, it sounds thorough yet digestible. The Price of Greatness, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, The Creation of American Oligarchy. Jay Cost, we could talk to you all day. Instead, let's just do it again soon. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks, guys. It's always great. Thanks, Jay. It's good dude.
3: Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. You tweet about the uh, suicide of some celebrity fashion person, and it turns into a Trump argument. That's where we are. That's where you are. That's it's not, what, where it's not where I am. <laughs> That's not where
0: I am. I'm out. Goodbye.
3: That's where some people are.
0: Everybody needs to come to hell down. Yes. Uh, continuing talk
3: about the Miss America pageant now that they've eliminated the bikini, the swimsuits, so much. Continued fallout of The over
0: perkiness there. of boobs will no longer be a factor. Thank God.
3: Uh, yeah, we'll catch up on a couple of things. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation.
3: The head of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, did you hear this? He has announced that he's leaving the company. Yeah, Schultz said, "I can't keep living a lie." The coffee at Dunkin' Donuts is way better. <laughs> right. The crowd groaned. What? What is that? Oh, what? what? Oh, I like, I like that coffee. It, it, it matters to me who's the CEO of the coffee I drink. What? Um, I never did get to the story about. Uh, humans are dumb at figuring out how smart animals are and whether or not chimpanzees should have rights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Habeas corpus for monkeys. Oh, boy. Um, that story's pretty interesting. Maybe I'll get to that later. Also, Habeas Clinton on Colbert last night being asked about apologizing to Monica and how he handled the Today Show the other day is, looks kind of interesting to me. So maybe that later.
0: Mm. Got a nice note from Aileen Anonymous. Hello, SJ and BF. Simple Jack and BF? Big Freedom. Oh, Big Freedom. That's right. One of my many nicknames. Busy grown y'all a new fag. Friend of Armstrong and Getty. I'm 33 weeks pregnant realized that after my voice and my husband's our son probably knows your voice's next best. Since we listen to your entire show via radio and podcast every day he already appreciates A&G's opinions and humor and he hasn't even breathed the air yet. Thanks for keeping us sane in the madness of the Silicon Valley. Uh, Keep banging that Sean gone. Although they love you, Sean. Um... Uh, Wow. So we're getting them in the womb now. Fantastic. One of the things we're doing in New York is we're going to be on a panel about uh, not having an ancient audience for a talk radio show. That's what the title probably ought to be. Mm -hmm. And I put out the question, if you're under 45, 45 and under, and you listen to the show, why do you like the show and why do you like it compared to other shows? Just because I thought, well, I could guess about why we do so well on that level, or we could ask you. And uh, email us at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com if you want.
3: We're going to talk to uh, important people in the radio industry about our. We believe our agent believes, and, and he's right that we don't have as um, we're not as well known in the industry as we would be if we were on the East Coast. You just you just oh, are yeah. if you're in the if you're on the East Coast. True that you just run into more of the new movers and shakers in the business. Yeah, and somehow raising our profile among those people could help us somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, well, there's the, That's absolutely true. And neither one of us is particularly self-aggrandizing. We do our show. We do fine. It's great. I make a nice living. I go home. I, I have a I I, uh, you know, I got a great family, and I'm fine. I don't need to be world famous. Seems like too much trouble. Being fabulously wealthy wouldn't bother me any. Um,
3: uh, <laughs> and. And, like, for instance, and I just think this is interesting, like, Glenn Beck did a local show, was it, in Florida, and Gabe Hobbs, who lived there also, heard him all the time, and Gabe Hobbs was a big deal in Clear Channel at the time, and thought, this guy should be on everywhere, and when Gabe Hobbs was in a position where he could do that, he put his favorite show on everywhere. And And then poor Glenn went crazy. And and, and (laughs) the same thing happened with Sean Hannity. Guy who liked Sean Hannity was in the same place he was, put him on, and we're just not where a lot of those people are. Right. And so we're going to try to meet some of them in New York.
0: Hey, listen, boys. It's probably fun. the reason we have happy lives. They
3: won't hurt us any. <laughs> I, say leave, I say leave well enough alone. What's coming up in your news, Marshall?
5: Well, the president's now trumpeting the big Trump effect in California. We've got Singapore summit details large, small, and weird. And Facebook data
3: sharing shockers coming up minutes from now. Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to be shocked. Uh-uh. And he- Anything about Facebook sharing your date, it doesn't shock. No, not at all, but I will stay tuned. To the Armstrong and Getty Show. You saw this was a big uh, high-profile rape case on the East Coast with a college student claiming she was raped by a couple of dudes and uh, one of those kind of stories who yesterday finally admitted it? Uh, she made it all up and got tremendous media attention and yeah. talked about toxic masculinity in college campuses and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a gal who accused a Texas state trooper, I think it was, of sexually assaulting her. Not realizing that the entire thing was body-canned. Oh. And nothing of the sort happened. Not that and, that stuff
3: doesn't happen,
0: oh, of course it does. Of course but, it does.
3: Man, when people make these false claims, it sure does a lot of damage. Could yeah. there
0: be a more terrible crime? No. A secondary crime against... Victims of sexual assault Right Than to have, you know, your fellow women faking up the, uh, it's, it's awful Then you've got the story of the uh, Northern California judge Who was the first judge booted out in 80 years Because of the light sentence he gave to that uh, Was it a Stanford swimmer? Yeah yeah, who, uh, who who raped a gal uh, A controversial story, we could get into that but I'd like to hear more about that, I didn't hear that Yeah, 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 it's rough Because you don't want angry mobs determining justice There are real downsides to that Sometimes hand, hand, I do. Yeah, sometimes you know what I, I always
3: say, I want like 1% vigilanteism. Right. It's just very hard to control. Right. Uh, let's get the news now with Marshall Well,
5: President Trump has jumped into the mix touting his role in the California primary. After the president's endorsement, the GOP businessman John Cox won the Republican nod in the state's governor's race. He's going to be facing Democratic Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom in November. Trump tweeting this morning great night for Republicans. Congratulations for J- to John Cox on a
3: really big number in California. He can win. <laughs> no, he can't. Yes, he can. No, he can't. He clearly
0: can. <clears throat> even He's fa- got nothing to say and he says it poorly. Oh, listen to you. You're a woman scorned. You're a Travis Allen guy. Me too. Look, I've talked to both of
3: them. One of them impressed me and got me fired up. Travis Allen. The other one, I can't even pay attention
0: through his screeds because
3: they're boring and poorly Steady said. Steady hand
0: at the till that's what John and, Cox and he
3: stands for nothing he's just he's one of those try to figure out what would get him elected you know what the pro- progressives have going for him in almost every election Gavin Newsom believes the stuff he's saying he lives it he believes it he cares about it. That really gives you an advantage over the, I'm just trying to figure out what will get me elected, don't really believe in small
0: government stuff that so many Republicans are. And it well, pisses me off. And a beautiful example of that same principle is Hillary Clinton. Yeah, oh yeah. So utterly inauthentic, sure. nobody liked it. Hey, uh, we've got this headline from Politico, and we'll get to it maybe next. The race for governor turned into a scam. How California's Democratic primary became a giant flop. Well, the whole jungle primary. It was the furthest thing. ...from what it was intended to be. It was the swampiest scam you can imagine. We'll talk about oh, it. Oh, it's, it's disgusting.
3: It, 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 it It's enough to turn you off elected politics.
5: Getting back to the presidential tweet, Trump continuing even fake news. CNN said the Trump impact was really big, much bigger than they ever thought possible. So much for the big blue wave, it may be a big red wave working hard. Yeah, I'm feeling and the need free. for a
0: Trump-free Thursday tomorrow.
3: I don't know. What do you think? We'll be in New York doing our show from there. From Trump Tower. In the view of many Trump Trump buildings. (laughs) Exactly.
5: The Singapore Summit less than a week. Maybe going
3: out for a Trump steak.
0: (laughs) Huh? Watch it down with some good Trump water. (laughs) Mmm, delicious.
5: The Singapore Summit less than a week away, and President Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un will be meeting at a luxury resort for nuclear talks. The Press Secretary, Sarah Sanders, tweeting on Tuesday the location would be the Capella Hotel. The resort known for luxurious amenities and impeccable service is more secluded, apparently, than other
3: options and is steeped in history oh good well is dennis rodman actually going to north korea yeah. to be at the thing
5: well word is that rodman uh, is supposedly going to be in singapore during the summit that's what the new york post is reporting they've it got was, i mean it was
3: laughable when i heard it yesterday but if you think about it for a second right he's one of the only uh, uh, um americans who has met the guy and spent any time listen. with him listen, oh, listen. Don't ah, don't i got, it. I got it. let me let me do this I mean that's he, where he breaks in and breaks the deadlock <laughs> <laughs> listen Volius <bully him. laughs> peter around the world why do you suggest peter around
5: world yeah but Dennis don't they put it they on they them don't use them as an excuse for the behavior on. that you're that you're they putting came on here. yourself
0: they came here. You? <laughs> <laughs> right? and trump says you know what he makes a good point i'm sorry and kim says you're right you're right dennis I, what uh, was i thinking and we achieve peace on the peninsula peace through rodman if
3: If he wasn't a crazy person and was on Dr. Drew's Celebrity Rehab and stuff like that, he would think, well, obviously, a guy who's been to North Korea five times and spent a lot of time personally with the dude would would be part of the mix. It makes perfectly good sense.
0: Guess what? He don't want war. That's one thing he don't want. He said
3: in the past that he would destroy the United States. Well. Well. Well, I get back to my original caveat of if he weren't a crazy person. Um he claims that he gave Little Fathead a copy of The yes. Art of the Deal. That's the story. And Little Fathead read it, which he probably did. Why wouldn't you? Sure. Cuz I mean this is the, you know, this is your Do you have any idea how many books I've read that have been given to me as gifts? Like
0: half of one, <laughs> half of one. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you need better friends.
3: In the case of somebody threatening to kill me, like Trump was threatening to kill Little Kim, right? Um, you might read the book, and that well. might have made a difference. I don't yeah, know.
2: Either way. <laughs> well, Roger, no, 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 no. I'm just same. No, I don't give i am I'm gonna ass what the hell
0: you think. I'm saying you, look at these guys here. Look at them. That's how you break a deadlock. <laughs>
5: Rodman's representative is now telling the Post, however, that no trip to Singapore had been confirmed, but that Dennis had
0: talked about it and was willing to go. And the lip of militarism will be pierced by the ring of peace. That is my hope. <laughs> I'm sorry. How about this? How's your wife? Is she fucking your ass every day? Really? Really? has
2: your wife? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh,
0: Let's go out there and have a good time, and let the people in all Korea. And, matter of fact, I keep saying this over and over. This is for the world. For the world. For the right. world.
3: For the world. <laughs> well, he, he's probably figuring out: Is anybody going to pay me to pay for me to go over there? Because he doesn't have any money. Well, he's
0: going to be there, according to a source. Yes, Says the New York Post. Yes, meaning a, a human being. It's not a source close to this, or a source with knowledge. No, it's just a source. Somebody, <laughs> somebody <laughs> said it was, it was me. <laughs> I told him <them> that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> All right. One last note: the Cavaliers trailing the Warriors two games to none going into tonight's NBA Finals Game Three. It is
3: going to be in Cleveland, 6 p.m. West Coast. Nobody's ever come back from 3-0. Of course, nobody'd ever come back from 3-1 until LeBron did it two years ago. Yep. But uh, and Joe and Sean have a bet. Oh, Sean's right. saying the Cavaliers <laughs> yeah. won't win a game. Joe says they will win at least one game.
0: That's correct. And the loser has to wear a short suit for two days. Inspired by uh, the very same LeBron James who's competing. That's
3: right. That's the lovely suit, but the pants are shorts. With dress shoes and dress <laughs> socks. Can do. <laughs> there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Getty show.
5: The conscience of the nation ringing the bell. <laughs> hoping I lose this bet. Yeah, I know. You, bet,
3: you made the bet I, hoping I, I, you would lose I, I, because you I'm, want to wear the short suit. I, I'm kind of hoping I lose.
0: That <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. Everybody wants to wear the short suit. <laughs> no matter what, when the
3: series is over, I think
0: Joe and I are just going to show up in a short suit one day. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's, people say, dude, what, what's the story with your uh, closer?" Ah, I lost a bet. So, you know, I, you know, I had to. Oh, well, it, it kind of looks cool. People will say. Oh, yeah. In your mind. Oh, yeah. Not sure that's what people will say. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll see. Oh. So uh the so-called jungle primary. If you're if you're listening in a state that's not California, don't do this. It's a bad idea. Bad. We'll tell you why in a moment or two. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Dave.
5: Armstrong and Getty Show. man said, "Son, now can you sing?" a couple of videos
3: you ought to check out at ArmstrongandGetty.com. One, we did a behind-the-scenes video yesterday where we show you our office. The very hallways we walked from our office to the studio. Wow, <laughs> with Sean magically popping out of like three different places Shh, along don't the give way. It away.
2: <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah,
3: no kidding. Wow. can you believe him? And wow. now, now, then, he, then the, the studio and then Han solo dies. Yeah. So anyway, Bruce Willis, dead the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll be damned. And then the studio, and so that video is available. And also this one, and I'll bet this woman is getting a lot of uh, guys wanting to go out with her cuz she's the sort of gal who's uh in the upper deck at a major league baseball game. It's a long fly ball to left. She catches it in her beer, holds up her beer, crowd goes wild, then she downs the beer. Chugs it down and
0: the crowd even goes <sighs> wilder. Oh my god, give her Miss America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah who cares what looks like? You know what we got to do. We just that's how you get the new Miss America. You just keep an eye on pop culture all year, and the coolest gal in America wins it every year. Um, She's clearly it this year.
3: Eliminate the swimsuit and, and add in the beer chugging. Exactly.
0: One, one year it's going to be this girl, next year it's some uh, leading cancer researcher, mm. some brilliant scientist. The year after that, I don't know, she runs into a burning building. Whoever the coolest woman in America is, that's who ought to win it every year, no matter how perky your breasts are or are not. Then you put the cancer researcher in high heels in a bikini? <laughs> no, you're missing my point. <laughs> so, listen. <sighs> Political reform, I get it. The system is so swampy. federally, state, government's so huge and unresponsive. Bureaucratic people are, are cynical. So you try to fix it. You try to do something different. Maybe it's term limits. Maybe it's the top two primary system that the most populous state, the ungovernable state of Corruptifornia tried, where it's the top two vote-getters no matter what party. The idea being... You wouldn't have your Republican primary that would yield the rightiest right winger, and your Democrat primary because the low turnout it would it would uh, churn out the leftiest left winger, and then what what, to the, what about the center? What about reasonableness? It makes about, sense. Uh, you, oh, yeah, it, it I, sounds good. I think I f- probably fell for it. Yeah, it's it, it's not an unreasonable idea. But like most things, what sounds good doesn't necessarily work the way you'd expect it to. My gripe with a lot of progressive plans and policies and bureaucracies and programs is that when it's proved beyond any shadow of doubt that it doesn't work, it still sticks around for the next 150 years and sucks the uh, you know the, the national wallet dry. But anyway, this is a pretty good piece in Politico by uh, David Siders, whose work I do not know. Uh, but it's, it's good stuff. Uh, he talks about, uh, you know, more or less what I describe being the intent of the top two primary. Then he says, instead, it's devolved into a king-sized flop. One day before the primary election here, it was a couple of days ago, obviously, the leading candidates sit largely indistinguishable on issues of substance with little, little evidence of any intra-party values-laden clash. Rather, Election Day will culminate a contest that has morphed into a bizarre exercise in gaming California's unusual top two primary system. Confronted with a primary in which top two vote-getters advance, regardless of party, supporters supporters of the leading Democrats in the race, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Ain't Pretty Newsom and former L.A. Mayor Antonio Villagorosa, focused their attention on elevating one of two lesser-known Republican candidates in an effort to manipulate the election's outcome. In a state where uh, Republican registration is low, blah, 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 Newsom has a far greater chance of defeating the leading Republican, John Cox, than Villagorosa. So the lieutenant governor has aired advertisements highlighting Cox's conservative credentials for Republican voters to bolster his chances of finishing second. Supporters of Via Garosa, meanwhile, have promoted the candidacy, and we should mention this is millions of dollars, have promoted the candidacy of Republican Travis Allen in an effort to depress Cox's share of the primary vote and to help the former mayor's chances of gaining a spot on the November ballot. Steve Maviglio, Democrat strategist in Sacramento, I know his work. He actually has horns. He hides them under his hair. He says nobody even cares who wins. It's about who comes in second. Um, So they're spending zillions of dollars to just support the other party or hurt the other guy or whatever, just in an effort to get second. And nobody's talking about, you know, important stuff. Boy,
3: and if you'd had a regular primary, I think Allen would have beat Cox.
0: Yes. Well, it's possible. What happened was Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump said to themselves and this is this is completely realistic there's no arguing with it cox seems to be ahead in the polls and he has more money uh we don't want these two guys to split the vote we got to pick one of them
3: because otherwise you end up with two democrats and mccarthy didn't Ex- want that because
0: exactly. then you don't get any republicans showing up on election day because they don't have a top of the ticket race to get excited about sure. so it's it's cynical but it's realistic and so they backed Cox, and that put him over the top.
3: Even though he's not—he's—he was anti-Trump in the beginning. Yeah. He got the blessing from Trump. Yeah. The guy who was with Trump from the beginning is is out of the race. Yeah, which is just
0: whatever. California is too big; it is ungovernable in a lot of different ways. It is spectacularly expensive to run for a statewide office in California because it's a nation of what is it 37 million people now 38 it's many hundreds of miles long perhaps you've seen a map um and 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 TV time and radio time is really expensive because it's a bunch of major media markets does
3: cox go back to being uh if not anti-trump at least a little more cool on trump as he tries to take on Gavin Newsom
0: i, I don't know there there are disagreements on what the best strategy is on that uh, front. Because, you know, fired-up Trump voters will show up to the polls. You you know, the conventional wisdom is go moderate to win in California, but the Republicans have tried that several times, and it hasn't worked.
3: Gavin Newsom's likely to run for president. He will run for president someday. Does he run in 2020 as governor of California? I don't know. But, I mean, he's a guy who's been thinking about that forever, and this is one step closer to that. And he's going to be a heck of a candidate uh, for president. Yeah, he's, he could be. He's got a good story. He's he's good at being a politician. He looks good. Um, he's
0: Socially super progressive. He
3: grew up, he's a businessman. He grew up uh, in a poor family, m- living with his mom and his mom's sister. He and his mom both working multiple jobs when he was in high school so they could, you know, get by. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, bad dyslexia, had to take remedial everything all the way through school and was an
0: outcast for that. Starts his own business, gets rich.
2: That's a good story.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then it's going to spend the state into nearly immediate bankruptcy oh, if believes, his policies believe, get through.
3: He believes in universal health care, which I think is crazy. Well, he claims to. But, I,
0: don't um, I don't know. Well, anyway, that's that's probably enough of uh, ass states race for an office, but uh, don't do the top two primary. It's bad. Oh, it yeah, doesn't all, work.
3: The, all that gaming versus, you know, who's got the policies people like the best. Yeah. It's just, it makes you very cynical about the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's worth remembering, though, that Political parties are private enterprises, and the state can run the election however it wants, and and the parties have to put up with it. The parties can, you know, do whatever they want to yield the best result, too, so... None of this is written into the Constitution. We're just trying different things as a country, which I uh-oh, think is good.
3: Uh-oh, We've gone 10 minutes without mentioning Trump, so I can do that for you. Oh, Lord. So yesterday, during the uh, ceremony, God Bless America came on with the Marine Band playing it, and Trump started singing along, and Twitter is claiming that Trump doesn't know the words to God Bless America. Well, he clearly kind of doesn't,
0: in. and neither do a lot and
3: of people. And neither do I. Yeah. I consider myself God quite a patriot. God
0: bless American land that
3: I love. I wrote that that part. Yeah. Right? After that, it gets a little. Yeah, a little, a little. From the river to, to the wider. <laughs> that I up above. Speaking from of, the mountain. Speaking of musical events, to my, smaller mountains. My son was in a uh, musical last night, second grade musical. Uh-huh. I want to review coming up in a little bit. <laughs> off, off Broadway. Yes, exactly. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.